up. We are starting a new series uh, today called the Hall of Faith. And we are going to be studying uh, for just a few weeks. We're going to be looking at uh, the book of Hebrews. You know, this last week as I was really preparing and getting ready for the sermon and for the series and, and looking at just the, the bigger picture of the book of Hebrews, uh, I was just I get very excited for this study, excited to, to go into just this area of Scripture. Again, in the New Testament, it's pretty familiar. Um, but again, I just encourage you to open up your Bible to the book of Hebrews. And we're going to start out um, with this, of just looking at some, just the, some overview and some background of this book. And uh, because there is um, some, just some, some unique things about the book of Hebrews. And so we're going to uh, open up to that. Like I said, if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me uh, to the book of Hebrews. But before we look at any specific passages, um, I just want to start with just some big picture foundational truths about Hebrews. What, as we open up, this is a New Testament epistle, and that's just the, the fancy theological word for letter. And so many of the New Testament books are letters. Um, they were written, a lot of them, by Paul, and there were several others that wrote letters. Um, and they were letters to encourage, to address certain situations or problems that were going on um, in churches or in culture, or to, to clarify um, things that were unclear within people's faith. And, and as we see, again, this also, again, is a letter, but yet Hebrews um, is in a very different style. It, it is written in the same form as a letter, um, and the, the author is traditionally attributed to Paul, and Paul wrote over half of the New Testament. We know Paul's writings. We know them well, again, like books like Romans and Corinthians and uh, Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians. I mean, these are all very uh, familiar Pauline letters, ones that were written by Paul. Now, like I said, Hebrews, again, is traditionally attributed to Paul. However, the style the language that is used and the way that it was written, and even the date that many scholars believe the letter was written in, really calls into question whether it really was Paul that wrote this letter. Um, now, the, again, the, the author most certainly um, was highly influenced by Paul. If it was not Paul himself that wrote it. Again, all of the content of this letter in Hebrews is very Paul-like. When you you read, again, this, as we read a lot of the text throughout these next several weeks, you'll notice it seems very familiar. I mean, Paul, again, has a very familiar tone when he writes. And Hebrews is definitely very Paul-like, but it was most likely written by a second-generation believer or a protege of Paul. And so, therefore, the letter was definitely written under Paul's authority, right? And, and in fact, even at the beginning of the letter, it, it claims to be written by Paul, but but we, true, most scholars believe it was likely not written by Paul himself. Now, again, Paul had influence in the writing of it, but it was probably one of his understudies or people that he had worked with very closely that likely had writ actually wrote the book of Hebrews. Now, not only from author, but we also need to know, again, who was the letter written to? Because this can change right, the context of the book. And, and in fact, we, sh we should do this with any um, passage of Scripture, right, to kind of know why it was written, who it was written to, what the original context was, and because that can highly change, again, our interpretation of Scripture. As we look at the book of Hebrews, we need to understand that this book was written to a Christian audience. Hey, this is not an evangelistic letter. This is not, again, give us uh, the way of salvation. That was not the purpose of it. Now, there were a lot of New Testament passages that were very evangelistic. Again, another Pauline letter like Romans was very expressly evangelistic. 
to Hebrews was not. It was written to a Christian audience. And when we read through it, it assumes that the audience understands the basics of the gospel and uh, they are very familiar with the Old Testament scriptures. And we need to know this because as we read through, we'll notice that Hebrews quotes more Old Testament scriptures and concepts in this New Testament book than any other book in the New Testament. And so we, we again, need to have a little bit of that background and that assumption to know that the author assumed that the, the, the people that were reading this had some backstory and understood the Old Testament in order to, again, even fully understand all of the advice and, and um, concepts that are described within Hebrews. But what is this? I think most interest for us as we open up this series um, is the purpose and the intent of the book of Hebrews. Hey, this letter, again, was written for, just like all New Testament letters, was written for a very specific purpose and reason, right? And it addressed a certain issue. Now, the, the Hebrews, um, the book of Hebrews, it was written, like I said, to the church, but it was written specifically to a church that was in crisis. Now, as we realize this situation, right? One, we know that, okay, this author is writing again to, to believers, right? People who have a faith in Christ. And yet they were facing a tough time. Now, as we read through the letter and we see kind of the content and, and the, the issues that are addressed, we get kind of a snapshot of what kind of crisis these people were in right, when they received this letter for encouragement right, and for, um, for some steps to move through the crisis and, and, and what's the answer for them to be able to move forward. So what kind of crisis were these original recipients of Hebrews in? There's many things, like I said, described throughout the letter. Here are a few of them. In chapter 4, it addresses habitual and unconfessed sin. In chapter 10, it addresses low attendance and a low commitment level of believers. In chapter 12, it, it addresses ignoring God's voice. And also, again, in, also in chapter 10, it addresses people that are questioning their faith and even some that are walking away from their faith because of the crisis that they're faced with. Again, the original audience of, of Hebrews were most certainly in the midst of some dark times within their church. And yet when we look at these themes and, and we look at the landscape of where we are right now as a culture and as a world in the midst of this pandemic, why right, we can identify with where this church was at. Again, it was written to a church that was in the middle of the crisis, and here we are as a world facing a crisis. Again, this crisis that we are currently in, right, it has exposed a lot of interesting things in our world. Not just in our world, but in our country and, and even in our churches. People have been forced to evaluate what is really important in their lives, what really matters, and, and what even they have placed their faith in. And this is exactly what the book of Hebrews is all about. It challenges us to, to take a step back from our current crisis and evaluate what really matters. 
Can, can we have any more timely advice from God's word? Again, not only is this message of Hebrews incredibly timely for us right now at this time, but so is the answer that it presents in the midst of their crisis and in the midst of our crisis. Again, we see just the, the testament, right, of, of how alive and active God's word is. And, and when we come to a time in our lives, again, there is nothing we will face that scripture does not address. And we see that as we look at the book of Hebrews. So what is the answer? As you say, again, yes, is it applicable to us? Absolutely. But so is the answer that it presents. And so you think, what is the answer? Hey, this is what you came for. Are you ready? Here we go. The answer that it presents to get this church through its crisis is Jesus. Right? The answer is Jesus. Right? The, the, what the writer of Hebrews tells this original audience to do to get through their crisis, the Hebrew, Hebrews gives the definitive answer to any crisis that we face. And that is to dive deeper into your faith. Remember, this is a Christian audience. I mean, again, the writer is addressing the church in, in the midst of a crisis and is saying, hey, you have what you need to get through this. Is this a tough season? Absolutely. Right? But the answer you already have, right? The answer is to dive deeper into your faith. And as we dive into this same answer through these next few weeks, as we study the book of Hebrews, hey, I just want to, I want to start at the end, right? Like at the end of the book, the kind of benediction of the letter, right? We see in Hebrews 13 verses 8 and 9, when it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So do not be attracted by strange new ideas, because your strength comes from God's grace. Again, we, we're skipping all the way to the end. That's the answer to the problem, right? The problem is that Jesus is still the answer. But right? he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right? And again, just, just don't go off to all these different things and strange ideas. That there's no reason to do that. Go back to the source of our strength. And just, again, as, as the Hebrew writer says, right, our strength comes from God's grace. Right? And that grace, which again is delivered through the power of Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection on Easter morning. And as we've just celebrated that, right, last weekend as we celebrate Easter, and yet now, once again, we are reminded in the midst of our current crisis that Jesus really is always has been and always will be the right answer. Now, as we realize that, again, we, I want to you know, step into, again, where are we really going to go in this series and, and as in our study? Because Hebrews is a pretty long letter. There's, there's stuff we could be in it for the rest of the year, right, if we really wanted to do that. But I do, I encourage you while you're at home and while you're, you know, in the midst of this is to, to read the book of Hebrews. And because, like I said, it is very applicable to our time. But we're going to focus through this series, through these next few weeks, on, on the climax of the letter. Okay, where we get to the, 
the core of this answer right, in the midst of this crisis. And that is Hebrews chapters 11 and 12. And so again, if you have your Bible, if you have it open to Hebrews already, flip with me to, to Hebrews chapter 11. Okay, because Hebrews 11 and 12, again, is the climax of the letter. It is where, um, again, we see the, 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 the deep, complete, full answer to any crisis that we face. And I want to read here just the first couple verses, but I actually want to start in the last verse of chapter 10. So we're going to pick up at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 39, and we're going to, I'm going to read through 11, verse 3. Okay, where it says, But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen it gives us assurance about things that we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. And by faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. And that we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Again, I just want to pause there as we see kind of this Again, this, this intro, this transition into the climax of the letter, right? He's coming out of chapter 10, right? As he's kind of presenting all these different things and saying, but you know what? We are not going to turn away, right? We are going to stay true to our faith. And then we move into, uh, you know, to this, again, chapter 11 okay, and chapter 12. Like I said, chapters 11 and 12 are the climax of the letter. And these two chapters break down exactly how to apply this definitive answer in our lives. Again, because that, you know, that's kind of the, the running joke within most churches, right? Is that the answer is always Jesus. And, and again, here we are, we're like right in the midst of the crisis here. Okay, is the answer really Jesus? Well, yes, it is. But now again, the writer of Hebrews, though, he kind of breaks down, what does that really mean? And he does this in a couple, in two pieces. The first piece is in chapter 11. Okay, now chapter 11 is known as the hall of faith which again is the, is the title of the series, right? We're kind of focusing ourselves on Hebrews 11 and then the follow-up to chapter is in chapter 12. So, but first 11, the, the hall of faith. Now, again, this, this kind of, this term comes from the concept that we know really well in our world and in our American culture is that we have, we love the hall of fame. In fact, we have the Hall of Fame for, for lots of different things. I think primarily when you, when I hear that term, I think of sports first. Right, again, we, we know we have kind of these, these famous Hall of Fame things for all of our major sports, right? I mean, you know, like the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Okay, we also, you know, the, we have, then we have the, the National Baseball Hall of Fame, right? We, we know, and those that love baseball love baseball. They, you know, their Hall of Fame is, is better than football, apparently, but I don't think it is. But, the, you know, the, we also, again, major sports, right? We have like the, the Basketball Hall of Fame. We know, you know, all, all the... The, the great players and the championships of old. And again, maybe you're not in sports, but again, if you're not in sports, it doesn't mean you're left out of this Hall of Fame, you know, situation in our, in our culture because there's also like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, right? Like we have a Hall of Fame for anything and everything, right? In fact, there is even a Disc Golf Hall of Fame. Again, I'm not knocking on those that love Disc Golf, like, you know, but, but again, my point is that we have these Hall of Fames for everything, right? We, if, we, if anybody cares about it, there's a Hall of Fame for it. Okay, now, again, why do we have them? What is the purpose of these 
halls of fame. Okay, as, as I was thinking about this concept, and even when you look in scripture, as we have this hall of faith, right? Because like I said, we, when we have, it's what we have in Hebrews 11. But why do we have these things? I, and I, I believe there are two reasons that we have a hall of fame, right? Or why we, we keep it up or, or why we even pay attention to it. The first is to remember and to honor the past. Right, we have what's in a hall of fame, right? What's in the hall of faith? It's it's looking at these Old Testament figures in the hall of faith. In the hall of fame, they have we have old players like like past championships and and records and all of these 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 past events that we want to remember and that we want to honor. Okay, but the second reason, right, that we have a hall of fame is not just to remember and honor the past, but also to learn lessons so we can move forward with the future. Right, we can learn from the past. Right? And from the championships of old, and, or how did they get it, or what was it about that team that was so good, or, or what, what was it about this or that, right? what can we learn from that? And that's why we want to remember and honor the past, but also learn from the past, so that we can move forward. And then we again have right, this hall of faith within our scriptures. Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith. And, and again, we, we have... This in our scripture for the very same reasons, to remember, to honor the past and to see again the God that we serve today is still the God, the same God that was with these people in the past. And, and he did miracles then and he could do miracles now. Right? But there are so many lessons to be learned so that we can move forward into the future of our faith. Again, as we, I, I, I pulled this back up in this, this graphic to see because um, the reason we use this for the sermon graphic is this, this, this pile of stones. Right? In the Old Testament, if you go through, there were many times with Israel, and they were going through these times when there was something significant that God did. They were told to stack up some stones. Right? Why would God tell them to do that? Well, for the same reasons that we have Hall of Fame today. Right? It was to remember and honor the past, and to pass down the lessons that were learned from those, those experiences and those miracles and those things that happened. Again, what can we learn from those that lived out an incredible faith before us? So in these next two weeks, we are going to dive deep into the life and the faith of some of these Old Testament figures that are described in Hebrews 11. They... Um, Again, there are two that are mentioned in the list in this hall of faith that we're going to look at through the next two weeks of messages. Okay, we're going to look deeper into the life of Noah okay, and into the life of Joseph. So that's what we're going to look at through the next couple of weeks. And again, what can we learn and what can we glean from their lives? Because they both led incredible lives of faith. That's why they're in the hall. Okay, but also... Then we move on from chapter 11, and the second piece of the climax of this letter is chapter 12. Okay, and chapter 12, though, then says, gives us a call to action for us to live out an incredible faith for us. And again, chapter 12 is the call to action. It says, now we learn from the past, and now what do we do with those lessons? Now we live them out. And, and 12, again, gives us that call to action. And we're going to end week four with looking at chapter 12. And so now that we've learned from these, these, these hall of faith, now what am I going to do with my faith as I move forward? So I sure hope that you will be with us through this whole series right, as we dive deeper into um, exactly what faith is and how it helps us. 
to, to live out the answer to any crisis, which is Jesus. So today, though, I want to start out as we see this foundation of the book of Hebrews. Now I want to dive right into Hebrews chapter 11. Okay, and we're starting again, and we already read this verse, but Hebrews 11.1. 1. Okay, and this is the biblical definition of faith. Right, as the answer is saying to dive deeper into our faith, that's how you face any crisis. Well, here is the biblical definition of faith. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for, and it is the evidence of things we cannot see. We see this, this biblical definition of faith, and after we are given this definition, then the writer breaks this definition down into more definitive details as he works his way through the hall of faith. So this morning, I just want to point out a few things that we can learn about faith, right, and, and why it is so important to us moving through any crisis. The first thing that we learn as we work our way through the hall of faith is that faith deeply affects my outward life. Okay, is that my faith will deeply affect my outward life. We see this, this lesson again in the, the very next verse in Hebrews 11.2, and it says, through their faith, the people in the days of old earned a good reputation. Again, these, these men and women were living out their faith. Right? And because they were living out, because their faith deeply affected their outward life and their outward actions, what everybody else saw is their faith then created their reputation. Now, a reputation is a very interesting thing. And, and again, we all have a reputation. And sometimes we figure out or learn what our real reputation is from people. But oftentimes, we don't really know what our reputation is, right? I mean, I think we all have an idea of what we hope our reputation is. Right? But yet, we, we can realize if we, if we hear, you know, what our true reputation is, it, then it really speaks to how the way people see us. I'll just tell you, just, um, uh, again, our reputation is set by the things that you do, right? And the way that people interpret, you know, the why you do what you do tends to create your reputation. Again, the reputations are all over the board, right? Oh, that person's really nice. Oh, that person's mean, right? Or for whatever, like reputations can be all over the place. I'll just tell you, one of the things that, that I've heard about my reputation, right, is, um, is, is that I plan too much sometimes. I've heard that about my reputation. I, I, I hold too, too tight a control over things. And again, I'll tell you just, just some of the reasons I feel like that that could be a part of my reputation is, is even just in the way that, that I um, live out my ministry and the calling that God put on my life. One of the things that I do that I've done for all of my years of public ministry and especially of, of preaching is that I have planned my messages and my series is a long ways out. In fact, I now, I mean, this season and, and, in, and the thing now is where I'm, where I'm preaching most every week and, and leading us as a church and teaching God's word. And again, this is a favorite part of my job as a pastor is to teach God's words to people and something that I take very seriously. And, and, and as a part of that planning is I literally go away on a yearly spiritual retreat and plan the next year of messages. And I know that that action, again, has played into that reputation. Right? Every people have, have said to me, they're like, how can you plan out your messages that far in advance? Right? Like, 
I mean, you're not leaving room for the Holy Spirit if you, you know, because you're, you're controlling it too tightly. And I know that that's played into my reputation, but, but, but yet, even this week, as I, as I was preparing this message and looking at this series, I remember I literally paused many times in my preparation this week and just stopped and praised and thanked the Lord that we are doing this series right now. And to say that is I planned this series in October last year. Right, that was the last time I went away and I planned out the, you know, the series is now. Again, I always hold those plans with open hands. And if I need to change them, I'm going to change them. But, but yet there are so many times, right, where though that action, though, has sat down and it, it is set up, I feel like, God's spirit to move in the right ways. And again, as I look now, why are we going through this series right now? I think we can all see the obvious reasons. I said, again, to see that is now obviously the Holy Spirit was involved in that planning, right? I remember this year, sometimes, and I go, wait, and, and it's, it's, it's a hard thing to plan out sermons for a year, right? And topics and, and series titles and those kinds of things. And, but yeah, I remember in October, I remember it came together so easily. And, and I sat back and looked at it. And I remember praying in that moment. I'm like, Lord, what do you know that I don't know? What are we going to be going through when we hit these passages? And, and, and now, again, it's just such an incredible adventure to see what God knew. But, but my point in that is to say, right, is that your reputation is dictated by your actions, right? Again, a part of my reputation is the fact that I go away once a year and plan a year of messages. What are you doing in your life that is dictating your, your reputation? Right, what is your reputation? What is it that's playing into that impression that people have of you? Because your reputation ultimately is set by the things that you do. But yet the outward things that we do start from our personal core values. Again, one of my personal core values, right, is that I, I hold the responsibility of teaching God's word very seriously. Right, and that's one of my personal core values, right? Is this, that, that it is my job that God has given me as your pastor to teach you and to help you understand this book. And it's something, again, that I take seriously. That's one of my core values. Right, and that's the next thing, again, that we learn about our faith from Hebrews 11. And that is that, that faith uh, deeply affects my inward beliefs. Again, because of my faith and because of the calling that God has put on my life, right? I have a set of core values that I make base my decisions on and my outward actions on. And so do you. Again, as, as the, the, again, the, the author of Hebrews is, is challenging us to take a step back and evaluate, right? Where are your outward actions coming from, right? What's the why behind your core values? And because your faith, not only does it deeply affect your outward life, but it also deeply affects your inward beliefs. Right, Hebrews 11 verse 3, it says, by faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Again, the, the author's telling us, he's like, hey, by your faith, right, you, you get to this core value that, that God is real and that he is a creator, that everything here came from his hand, right? And that is a foundational belief, right, that then is going to affect every core value of, of your life. 
Again, these inward beliefs form the foundation of your life. And that foundation then will affect every decision that you make. And it will dictate the destination of your journey. Because if you, again, if your faith is based in a God who is a creator and is all powerful over all the universe, then that changes the way that I respect him and that I love him. Right? The way that I'm going to obey him. Right? If God is not a creator, even if God is a distant God, right, that maybe even created and walked away, right, then that changes again how I'm going to relate to that God and how I'm going to live out my faith. Again, what we believe about God um, has and, and what, where our faith is placed is going to deeply affect our inward beliefs. And it was going to create the, those personal core values. And those personal core values then will then deeply affect our outward life. And then he continues on throughout the chapter as, as he starts kind of listing some of these Old Testament characters. And then we see the next thing that we learn about faith in Hebrews 11 is that faith is needed to fulfill the earthly purpose of my life. In verse 6, we are told that and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Again, what is the purpose of my earthly life? We're all given a purpose and again, we all have different personalities, we all have little different purposes, but yet all the purposes that we are given boil down to one thing and that is what is identified here in verse six, right? Is that is to please God, our creator. Right? Is your life making God smile? And when we think about that, right, again, how do I please God? Right? How do I accomplish that purpose in my life? Well, again, this verse literally gives us two very specific steps that we can use to fulfill that purpose. Right? Again, if you have your outline, I, I encourage you, if you're taking notes, to look at this, but to write down these two phrases. First is to circle this one, to come to him. All right, that's the first step. Right, how do I please God? The first step is to come to God. All right, again, how do, I, how do I come to God? Well, I come to God by, again, by believing that he exists. All right, again, that is the gospel message, the one that the Hebrew writer assumes we already know. All right, the first way to please God is to come to him, to receive him into our life, to be walking with him every day. Right? And then the second step that it gives us is, is right here, in this, this very last phrase, right? To sincerely seek him. Right? Not only do I come to God, do I find God, but then, but then I, I pursue him with every ounce of my being. Right? I, I pursue and seek Right, and then, again, I put action to that faith. Again, as we look at our current crisis and the current state of our world and of our community and even the state of our churches, is I'm just watching and observing in our culture throughout this pandemic time and see that this crisis is eliminating any gray areas of faith. Right, in, this, in this time, right, this is where our faith is being tested. Right, and say, because now we don't need an excuse to not go to church anymore. 
right? Because if you didn't really want to be in church over the last month, you, you haven't made any effort to continue to pursue God. Now, even for those, again, that, that have this effort, right, that, that are seeking God, is like we have to seek it out, right? We have to go online. We have to fill the stream. We have to, to, to open our Bibles. We have to, to seek worship even through daily, uh, you know, devotions and prayer times and, and family things and, and prayer. We have, to, we have to take that into ourselves because it's not being done for us at all right now. Right? And anybody that was somewhat in the middle, just kind of a little bit of God, but a lot of the world has just, has just drifted away from God in this time because there is no gray area anymore. Right? We have been in quarantine long enough that the true core values of your life have surfaced. Right? Now again, this, this is, is actually really good news because for those that have, that truly want to see God, they are finding God. Right? And they are continuing to worship him. Right? And those that, that maybe were in a gray area have, have either gone completely away from God or they've come a lot closer to God. Right? And that's a really positive thing right? if your faith has increased. But guess what? That's the answer to the crisis we face. It's exactly what the writer of Hebrews tells us to do. I hope, again, even the fact that you're even hearing this message means that your faith is being strengthened as it's tested. Right, and then we see the, the, the last thing that we learned that I want to point out today about faith that we learn out of this chapter. And that is that my faith assures me that my future is bigger and better than my current surroundings. My faith assures me that my future is bigger and better than whatever crisis I face. Because the truth is, that when this crisis passes, and it will pass, but when this crisis passes, there will be another one that will come. Right? And why is that true? That's true because this world is fallen, and this world is full of evil, and there is disease, and there is struggle, and there is pain. And we just typically go from one crisis to the next. Again, why do we have all fame to look back at history? We can look back at history, and this is not the first global pandemic that we have faced. And it likely will not be the last. But, but my faith, though, assures me that my future is bigger and better than my current surroundings. Right? This is not all doom and gloom, right, when we face a crisis, because a crisis helps us to evaluate what really matters, and it can, it can make my faith that was a little bit cool to be white hot for God. Right? And I know that, that my future is better. No matter what I face in this fallen world, my future is better. Right? Which is exactly what we are told in Hebrews eleven sixteen. 16. It says, but they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. And that is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Right, God, again, he's not ashamed to be called their God because he is a good, gracious, and loving God. And he has seen his children and said, you know what, that fallen, broken, diseased, struggling world is not what I've created for you. Because I love you more than that. Right, and, and in fact, I sent my son to live and die and rise again so that you can be to the, come to the place that I have prepared for you. And it's way better than your current surroundings. 
Again, this world isn't all bad. Okay, there are good things and many blessings mixed into the dark, evil world that we live in. We certainly can make the best of our current situation. Like I said, this pandemic has not been all bad. There's been a lot of bad, but there are definitely some good things to be found. But yet scripture tells us that, right? Scripture tells us that the sun and the rain fall on the righteous and the unrighteous alike. And the truth is that this world that we live in is a mixed bag. As I was thinking about this this week and, and kind of thinking about how, how can we really illustrate this, I, I came across this, I feel like this incredibly accurate picture of our world today in the midst of the current crisis that we face. This is the picture that I found that I think is an incredible accurate picture of our world. It's very simple, but yet I think it's very our world is it fallen and evil and full of sin and disease and, and horrible stuff? Absolutely. But is our world also full of many blessings and full of God's presence and and again as things to look forward to and a purpose for my life and a reason to get up in the morning? Yes. And yet our faith again gives us the chance to look at the glass and say. I'm not going to believe it's half empty. Right? Because there's so much in my life to be thankful for. Right? And is there hard things? Is there struggle? Is there pain? Is there disease? Yes. But that's not the whole story. Right? I, I can look at this world through my faith and, and through any crisis that I face. Right? And know that Jesus is with me. Right, that he really can be the answer. Right? And that he can take a half-empty cup and he can fill it to overflowing. But whether you are a cup half-full person or a cup half-empty person, it all boils down to the fact that we all hope for the same thing. And what do we hope for? Hebrews 11, verse 35. They place their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Whether you're a cup half full person or a cup half empty person, we all hope for the same thing. Again, this again goes back to, to where we started at the beginning of the chapter, right? The definition of faith is the reality of what we hope. And what do you really hope for? Because let's look at the reality of what we are facing. We are naturally at this place of evaluation and of change. And we are never going back to the way that things were before COVID-19. So much of our lives have been stripped away at this point. But let's be honest with ourselves and realize that without God, we are completely empty. That our faith is still and always will be the most important thing that we have. Because the answer to any crisis that we face 
really is Jesus. So where's your faith at today? Right, as we face this crisis, as, as we face all that we are dealing with right now, where's your faith? What is it showing you about your faith, about where it's placed, about how strong it is, about, about what we turn to in the face of crisis? Where's your faith today? I hope that faith is in Jesus. Which brings me to that final thought this morning and that comes out of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Again, I'm going to skip ahead a couple of weeks, right, before towards chapter 2. But again, our final thought today, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding his shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Again, the answer is Jesus. And just as this verse says, right, Jesus um, will initiate our faith. Again, I don't know where your faith is. Maybe you don't even have a faith before today. Maybe you're just looking for an answer in the midst of this crisis. But I tell you, the answer is Jesus. And if, if you need Jesus to initiate your faith, then you, need, you can accept Jesus Christ as your Savior right now. Wherever you are, you can, you can kneel, you can stand, you can just sit on your couch, and you can pray to God and say, Jesus, I believe in you, and I need you to initiate my faith. I need you to save me. Come into my life. I confess my sins. I, I receive your gift of grace. And now start my journey of faith with you. Initiate that faith. Uh, maybe you've already initiated your faith, but maybe today you need Jesus to perfect your faith. Again, if that's where you are, then, then you'd ask the question, right, Jesus, what is the next step in my journey to bring me closer to you? How are you going to perfect my faith. So as we conclude this morning, I just want to ask you the question, where's your faith? Is it in Jesus? Right? Does it need to be initiated? Does it need to be perfected? Whatever that next step is for you, I hope that you will take that step right now, wherever you are. Pray to God and give him your because faith is the very foundation of the real answer you seek. We praise you, God, that no matter what we face, you stay the same. God, that no matter what crisis we face, no matter what pain we have, no matter what struggle we, we have, Lord, you are with us. And God, that you are bigger than what we face. God, we know and we claim, God, that you are bigger than Corona. God, that you are bigger than, than our struggle with sin. God, that you, you are bigger, God, with, than our doubts. And Lord, I pray that, Lord, no matter what we face, God, that our faith will be strengthened. God, because we can learn from those in the past. God, and how they lived out an incredibly strong faith. And God, I pray that you would help us, God, to live out our faith just as strong. Lord, we thank you today that you are the answer. God, that you initiate our faith, that you perfect our faith. God, I pray that as we go this week, Lord, that we would show this world 
what it means to have a faith in a big, big God. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. God, be with us as we go this week, as we shine your light and your love to this world that so desperately needs you. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for transforming us. And God, thank you for bringing us closer to you every day as we earnestly seek you. Lord, guide us as we go and as we live out our faith this week. In Jesus' name we pray.